Hi, this is the Beyond Law podcast, and I am your host Shubhra Sen Gupta. Beyond Law covers the stories of lawyers who have transitioned outside the law and are creating impact in spaces outside the law. We also cover educational opportunities and courses that help lawyers make this transition, and how internet and technology is changing the face of the legal profession itself. This week we speak to Abhilasha Mandal. Abhilasha is a graduate from National Law School, Bangalore, and was a corporate lawyer in Mumbai. Thereafter, transitioned to a career in management consulting with Deloitte in New Delhi. Abhilasha is presently pursuing her MBA from Ivy Business School in Ontario, Canada. We speak to her to understand why an MBA, why Canada, how B School admissions committees perceive candidates with a legal background. and what are the exact takeaways that she's looking to get from this mba hope you enjoy this episode and in case your friends or colleagues would like this information please share it with them so abhilasha you know the floor is yours if you would like to start with a small introduction and you know the sort of work that you do sure so thanks thanks shubhru and thanks uh, all of you guys for joining into this And just to tell you a little bit about myself, uh, I graduated from NLF in 2015, and uh, soon, uh, like right after, I joined Khetan in their rotational program. So I, I worked with a bunch of teams, and finally, I sort of settled down with the funds team, which is the investor funds team. Now, as part of the team, I was exposed to really good work that was happening in alternative financing products, and. it sort of prompted me to look beyond just being the regulatory or the legal consultant on the transactions but to going over to the business side and that's when i started exploring venues and platform uh, and professions that allow you to advise businesses more from a holistic perspective and at that point consulting seemed like one of the one of the best platforms when when you're coming in as a newcomer the jump was difficult because Lawyers are not the typical profile that go into consulting. So really, the struggle was getting getting somebody to employ you, having come from a very different background. But once you're past that hurdle, I think you, we as lawyers bring in a lot of these qualities, critical thinking, communication skills that really come in handy in 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 a consulting framework or in a business setup. So once I did transition, there were some. I was with Deloitte for a year. Did a couple of consulting projects with them, um, and uh, a year into that, the reasons prompted me to move to Canada. So at that point, I decided maybe it's a good time to do an MBA, get down to the business basics, learn those fundamentals that I struggled with at the initial at my initial time at Deloitte. And yeah, I'm here at Ivy trying to make the most of my one year here. That's about it. So I think the way we'll uh... the way we'll start the conversation is i mean to get a sense of when you started out and when mba was you know post the consulting phase or maybe we take it a slightly take it slightly earlier maybe how do you how did you select consulting i mean in the sense that you would have had chosen from between let's say 10 different options so how did right. consulting come into the picture right so as well as i was mentioning so when i was working with the funds team the clients that i would be working with would be designing alternative financing products for me i right. just visibility on how to do the regulatory bit or how to get their licenses how to get their approval how to set up their structures but what i don't have insights into is 
how do you actually design those products what's the business plan behind those products what the uh, what are the what, what are the economics of that product so that's where i really wanted to go into but what happens is you don't get that direct legal into the business side you don't get that opportunity to direct directly shift from a legal consultant to the business consultant consulting on the other hand is like a good point for a lot of people because the type of projects coming in are different the rules coming in are different every project is so different that it's more of a generalist profile so coming from law i wanted to go into a generalist profile to get an understanding or to get the basics of business before entering into a more structured role so for me i found that e- that shift easier while moving from law to the business side just to retain that generalist role was something that i was looking for because i didn't know if i had proper business skill set or skill sets that are required for a more specific role in an organization at that point that was the thought process if you would like to talk a bit about uh, you know consulting is not something we can sort of cover in this because that in itself would be a fairly large journey but post consulting when the search for b schools came first of all why b school and secondly why canada so uh, as i was mentioning there were some personal reasons that prompted me to move to canada and for me the reason i wanted to go to b school is because as i was coming into a new culture i thought it would be good to spend a year sort of immersed into this new environment understand what the business environment is like for me i am interested in financial services so for me it was take a year to understand the financial services industry see where that going see what the market see what the market is see how people learn business here so for me since i didn't come from a legal, uh, from a business background i wanted the business skills i wanted to read about certain courses like accounting finance analytics but at the same time yeah. i took the year to really understand the canadian market so for me it was a bit of both as i was anyway transitioning i thought maybe this would be a good year to sort of go back to school and upskill on these latest skills that are required from an mba grad or or a business thing about why canada for me it was very personal for me my partner was here he was working here so i wanted to move right. to him but to give you a general idea about why people should think about canada as a destination uh, firstly obviously immigration i mean once you do decide to come in here to study at canada you get a post study work visa which which can which if you are on a two year program you get a three year work visa if you are on a one year program you get a one year work visa so the work visa situation makes it very easy and once you spend once you've done an post graduate course in the country you can directly apply for your permanent residency so you get adequate points to apply for your permanent residency so from an immigration perspective you have quite many leeways in terms of staying in the country post your education and you know being able to get get a job here and the second thing about canada is uh, to be honest it's when you think of the economic economic spending on your uh, the roi makes sense to me uh, when it comes to the us you're uncertain about your immigration you're uncertain about uh, whether you'll get a job after your after you graduate so i think somewhere you have to take that call whether you're comfortable spending the amount of money you're spending for a us mba versus a canadian mba now uh, for me i looked at only us and canada i didn't look at other jurisdictions so my comparison was within the within the was was between these two com- countries mostly i think points to a very sort of fundamental dichotomy a lot of people don't think about is that essentially you're paying the fees in like you know dollars or a currency which is higher than the rupee 
which mm-hmm. means that you need to work x number of years before you can pay that back unless Correct. you actually have that kind of money because yes. uh, i think uh, i checked the fees for ivy it was in the 65ish lakh range uh, mm-hmm. i think a us school a two year us program would easily set you back by and 11.5 crores if i'm not yes. wrong so yeah. Uh, yeah from that perspective i think it makes a lot of sense to sort of get that comfort in terms of being able to work there once uh, you know you have graduated so i think a couple of questions in the chat uh, two questions first of all Pranav Mehta asks, "Hi, Abhilasha, which schools did you apply to?" Okay, so for me, the I only applied to Ivy, um, and the reason is, so Ivy's application starts out in January. Most other schools start out in around, I think, August, September. So for me, I was looking at a one-year program. I was looking at a school for consulting and financial services. I was looking for a school that's very fairly well known and one of the top schools in a different jurisdiction. So for me I was targeting only two schools to be honest and uh, I applied to IV in Jan I got an uh, I applied in March I got an admit in in a week's time so I would have considered Rotman had I not got an IV but I only applied to IV because of this just in terms of timeline IV happened first they gave me a decent scholarship they looked like a good they they were they're actually a very very good school very f- reputed school in Canada so that's how it played out for me right um so uh, i mean not going too deep into the application process itself i think there would be the typical steps of gmat and you know so on mm-hmm. uh typically if you could just sum it up in terms of what is the sort of gmat score that's required what are the sort of backgrounds people get in from uh typically are there lawyer candidates who have gotten before how has that so worked okay so in terms of the first question uh what's the ballpark gmat score so all schools have their typical gmat scores written up on their website so it differs from school to school but i would say given that there is greater competition now in canadian markets because of the immigration policies and because uh, as a country there few more people come in um, i would say a good gmat score would be 700 and above and this is important not only to get admission into the school but if you have a good gmat score canadian universities are more willing to give you a scholarship This is true for all the top schools in Canada. Seven hundred above should be your benchmark in terms of the GMAT. In terms of the profile, what sort of people do they take? Again, it's a good mix. Heavily skewed towards engineers, even there, even there. But you do see, like from my batch of one fifty students, you do see six to seven lawyers who've come in. So I would say a good four five percent. Of your bank. And typically, what what background are these people from? Like all from law firms, or like were they doing non-law um, before this, or what? So most of them are from law firms. Uh, most of them, right. I think one litig, uh, I think one person coming in from litigation that took corporate securities litigation, but most of them are corporate lawyers. But again, it it, it really depends from batch to batch, um, year year to year. I I'm sure there might be like a lot of lawyers coming in from litigation applying to B school, but. I've seen mostly corporate lawyers join. Understood, understood. Uh, and and to talk about what about Canada, uh, in terms of the job market, I think someone did mention that uh, can one navigate the American job market. I think uh, more than that, what does the Canadian job market look like? What does Canada as a country look like? Right. Like India, we have a basic sense what the cities look like. There are like five major cities where you can work right. and so on. Right. Yeah. So when you're looking at Canada, there are few industries that are really really big here. in terms of the market there are broadly a few industries which run the economy for canada one of them is oil and gas the second one is financial services but having said that tech is becoming quite big in canada there are 
retail industry is becoming quite big in Canada. So a lot of these different industries uh, are big, and you do see a lot of roles and lots of opportunities at these places. So um, to be honest, there's no uh, there's no one fit or one kind of industry that you should target or that you think is uh, good or bad. Um, Canada is a mix of everything. Uh, skewed heavily towards oil and gas and financial services, though. Understood. So basically, once I graduate from a school like this, am I looking only at Canada as a job market, or I think as someone asked, like, is US also an opportunity? Is international also an opportunity? How does that? So typically, the way I see it here is, if you are graduating, uh, it's difficult for you to get a job in the US for the reason that so many other US B school graduates are also graduating at the same time. And your employers go to their schools to employ. So U.S. organizations don't come to you in terms of career trade, or they don't come network with you, or they're not so willing to network with you. So when you do think right. of Canada, you should consider the fact that you will probably be employed in Canada and not in the U.S. But having said right. that, if you spend three years in Canada, you get citizenship of Canada. Once you once you are a citizen of Canada, you have the ability to work in the U.S. through the NAFTA. So NAFTA is that uh, it's the trade agreement that sort of allows Canadians to work across. So once you become a Canadian citizen, you can work in the U.S. So a lot of people, what they tend to do is they spend some time in Canada, they get the citizenship, they get the requisite work experience, and then they move on to um, markets in the U.S. and look for jobs there. So that's completely possible if your end goal is the U.S. It's always possible that you do this. Just know that. Uh, from a short-term perspective, you might have to look for employment around in Canada, and then eventually take the next step to to the US a few years down the line. Charles, just sum it up what you said, which is basically you know, uh, living three years in the Canada gives you a more powerful passport, which yes. means that you know your mob- like mobility in the region is much higher, and also it gives you that time to sort of create that network within the ecosystem in Canada and so on. One question or one thing that I would want to sort of reflect on is a conversation we had had earlier. Where you sort of mentioned why you know Canada is a country that one would want to live into, like the difference between a developing country and a developed country, and what does that mean <laughs> in terms of social security, in terms of healthcare, and so on. So yeah. I think uh, something like that might be very relevant. So would you want to sort of reflect on that? Okay. So before coming to Canada, I I mean my perspective to work was a lot different. My perspective to life rather was very different in the sense. Work was an important component of my life. I would revolve everything around the work I do. But when you come right. to this part of the world, especially to Canada, there's a lot of emphasis on quality of life, on family life, on things outside of work, and community de- development. For me, that's what got me interested in Canada because there is so much emphasis on you as a person as opposed to you as just a professional. So even when firms come down and look for people, they actually look to see whether you've done so many other things. Outside of the work that you actually spend time on, just to just to understand who you are as a person, and this is where I think lawyers just bring in those soft skills and communication skills to communicate their life before the life later, and communicate with different people around them, and just immerse into a different culture altogether. So I think that's right. where a lot of us have that added advantage. Coming back to the question about why Canada, for me, um, it was once I did come here and, and I saw the perspective people. Take the life. I think this was very important. The second thing, as you mentioned, healthcare, social security, uh, first world living standards. If that's something you're aspiring to, then Canada is a great place. And the government really takes care not only of its citizens and permanent residents, but at this point during COVID, they're also giving out insurance or unemployment insurance to a lot of international students who are looking for employment. 
so just as right. a country when you think about what the country is doing not only for its own people but for everyone residing in it i think it reflects a lot on the vision and on the culture of the country obviously you have to recognize the fact that they're a very big country rich in natural resources and they have the money and potential to do this they have a very small population so obviously that that does make all the difference that they have the capabilities and the resources to help everybody but just the fact that they don't restrict it only to their national they 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 are they are welcoming of everybody else they are welcoming of immigrants i think those are those smaller cues that really make you think about why you want to move to a different country i think the reason i also wanted to reflect on that is because i think uh, something that i have understood now is that where you do your mba has a lot uh, as a lot of connection in terms of where do you want to work after that which market do you want to work in and where do you want to build your connections because essentially the business degree is not seen as a like a educational degree per se it's more of a networking it's some something that you know people have been saying through the ages good that you brought that point out so when people ask yeah. me, you know covid's there there's a lockdown what's happened to your classes and yeah. i give the classes don't really make that much of a difference but what i do miss is the ability to interact with my batchmates who tomorrow are right. right. like the best of business professionals in canada you know so that's what you miss miss right. most and you miss on the social experience you miss on the interaction room experience so these are the experiences that you actually miss out on and, and that's what you've come here to do as part of your mba so it's most right. it's not about the learning learning is a, is an is definitely an aspect and what i thought would be the most critical aspect but after coming here after seeing how important networking is as a general concept more than anything right. else you you realize that that is the more critical part of your mba as opposed to right. learning your learning can happen through online classes and all uh, right. right. i mean today is the best time to realize that yeah, yeah. so I, i think someone had asked that question right does it make sense to go to imabc or like you know international or whatever the the short answer to that if you sort of followed abhilash's point is it matters a lot in terms of where you want to settle later and where do you want to form your network uh, so today i think I'll, i'll draw from her conversation earlier which was the reason getting to deloitte is difficult is because we don't have alumni over there or we don't have connections in there right it becomes much easier when you go to an imabc to join deloitte in delhi because imabc would have 20 million alumni in like deloitte delhi right Absolutely. but again if you want to go to deloitte canada it makes much more sense to go to an iv because like iv would have 2 million people in deloitte in canada so it's as, so i think that's how it's a function of geography i'm very sure i am a and iv would both have excellent teachers but uh, i feel uh, that the ability to network depends completely on which geography you are in i mean you can't be sitting in singapore and sort of thinking oh let's get a job in london because essentially that's not how it works i mean you need to know people in that particular region so, uh, and you know yeah. remember if you remember we were discussing this while setting up lawyers not lawyering as well that me being a part of nls had access to those networks who were in those alternative professions a bunch of my cl and alum were already exploring entrepreneurship right. and investment banking so for me it was right. much easier to actually reach out to those networks and get their understanding and in some cases they they were happy to refer me to their immediate managers or to their seniors to get uh, to get some face time you know so things like these right. are right. this is not as uh, frequent in the indian market but it's a big aspect of international markets that you network a lot you meet 100 right. people so that or or rather you email a thousand people so that a hundred people write back to you and then you get right. like networking uh, uh, chats so you get networking sessions with 10 of them out of which one of whom will employ you so it's really a okay. you no know, like meeting up like writing to a vast majority speaking to a vast majority of people 
and out of that one of them you strike a chord with and things work out right right i think uh, that's also one of the reasons to sort of start lnl was because uh, i mean if you're a lawyer and if you want to suddenly become a consultant i think the first person who would understand your plight is another lawyer who has become a consultant mm-hmm. rather than like an iit guy who has become a consultant so i think that was one of the reasons we started lnl because you know we want people who understand our plight uh, mm-hmm. i think someone on the question of uh, what do you think about doing an mim straight out of law school in canada or is it important to get some work experience before moving to canada I would uh, what, what are your thoughts I would always say go test out the law before you decide to do your MIM what's the point of getting a law degree and then not even trying working in the law I keep telling right. people don't, don't leave don't think of leaving the law because it's an escape or because you haven't tried try right. test out see where your interests lie and then find comparable professions to enter into uh, so if it's cons- so once you've given that shot the law to a law firm to an in-house to litigation or whatever it is that you do decide uh that's when you decide uh, it's only after that experience that you should decide whether you want to move out or not so i would say right. unless you're 100% sure that an, uh, that you know you just want to exit um i i would never ask you to like i would never personally advise anyone to go for an mim course because you always right. have an opportunity through the mba right and thinking about post program employment opportunities an mba degree is always preferred compared to an mim as an mim you again join say deloitte as an analyst or an entry level lo- role and that right. you could be a lawyer as well you, you could you could have not spent that money and time in an mim program but joined in an entry level role in an in a consulting firm or in any other business firm so my advice right. would be uh, use your skills wisely Test the law, test different aspects. You can get into corporate law, you can get into litigation, you can get into legal tech, which is such a booming industry in India today. Uh, so, I mean, there are so many avenues for you to really pursue what you want to do, even within the legal industry. For instance, before I was leaving Satan, my partner asked me, "Why don't you join our strategy team here? Why do you want to do strategy with a consulting firm?" So, you know, you have so many, many options even within the legal industry where you have strong networks, well, where you have good understanding of the industry. maybe leverage that as well before you think of moving out and uh, i think that's a good starting point in case of finding a difficult to really move out right uh, and i think you know something that we have discussed on multiple locations and something i want to point out is i understand some of you might be rich but these are very very expensive decisions uh, each of these decisions can set you back financially you know almost a decade if it's a usb school uh, i mean i personally know people who have made like the wrong choice and they are still paying back their loans and these are massive amounts so please do as much research beforehand as you can mm-hmm. uh, unless it's your personal money in which case do what still do yeah. that research before you get into something like this yeah. because these are very very expensive decisions shubhra this is not to say that us schools are not worth it to be honest because right, right, when yeah. you look at rankings and when you look at the alumni when you look at the people you do see that they are they have reached greater heights like people gra- those graduating from HBS, GSB, Kellogg, and schools of that sort. You do read more about them. You do know that they are doing great work. So it's not to say that those schools are not worth it. But no, no. Uh, I think I think my point was slightly yeah. different to other. My point was yeah. that I think because we have been in India, right, and we have yeah. had subsidized yeah. government education. I don't See. think we have appreciated the cost of education before actually applying to a US school. Absolutely. Where the cost of application itself is like two hundred fifty dollars. Absolutely. So. Yeah. I think that is where like the difference is between like an NLSI at best like two thousand bucks per apply. Yeah. But so just give you an example of the US Canada uh, comparison right there. So I yeah. visited Canada before moving here. So I visited my school. So I applied yeah. to 
program to my school where they they eventually decided to subsidize my first trip to Canada because I was visiting the school. So they pay, wow. they paid for my air ticket <laughs> the first time around. Yeah. So it's it's Fantastic. just and then they also I, I mean and Canadian schools in general are more willing to give scholarships because that's just the culture here. They do. Uh, they fund education for as much as uh, for as long as possible. I mean, till high school, it's anyway government paid and completely subsidized, completely free. Okay. But even beyond that, there is a very strong incentive for universities to subsidize education, even for international students. So even small things like these, you know, if you guys are looking at schools, also look, explore these various programs that are available that fund your you know school visits or fund your uh, various activities uh, around the school. So look at these options. I didn't even know. Yeah, exactly. I didn't even know something like that existed. Exactly. So I'm I'm just yeah. saying that do your research on the school, and before you do decide to apply, just learn a lot more about the school, what they offer, because they keep having these things uh, happening on the side, and we miss out on them. I think uh, just adding for my reading, there is a lot of competition also in terms of offering scholarships if you are talent. I mean, because they would at the end of the day want to improve their rankings yeah. in terms of you know salary after graduation and so on. So maybe mm-hmm. five. Schools would sort of compete to give you a scholarship because you know so, if you are talent basically. So in your in Canada there are only some four or five schools that do an MBA and MBA is not big here like right. in like in the US. So there are few schools Correct. and in those few schools they do look for talent. So they are actually very happy to give you a scholarship. Uh, Ivy, for instance, gives offers scholarship to around fifty percent of its applicants, ranging from ten thousand Canadian to fifty thousand Canadian. So they actually, right. and that's about that's between ten to fifty percent of your program cost. Ah, uh, sorry, your tuition right. cost, not, not the entire cost, but the tuition. So um, I feel, I mean, that's a that's a great that's great encouragement for students to apply, especially those. And, and, sorry, and and what kind of period are we looking for in terms of? Okay, let's say you have fifty percent scholarship, then what kind of a period are we looking for, like paying back your educational debt? So uh, one of the things that's, uh, I mean, I think. I think you can take loans. I I didn't take any because a spo- the scholarship covered a bit uh, a big chunk of my program cost. But I think you can Correct. pay it over the next four to five years. And once you come here, you get access to certain uh, certain credit facilities that allow you to stagger your payments through the year. So basically, you get a loan for the year, and that you can pay off in the next next one or two years. So you have multiple financial products that help you structure how you pay back your tuition. uh in fact if you're a uh, if you're a permanent resident already of canada you can just come here and avail their loan for canadian residents as opposed to um, as opposed to take a loan back in india which is pretty uh, is, and the interest rate difference is pretty high right in canada we get around you loan at the same rate in india it would be around 10 to 11% so right. if you're a permanent resident it's even more lucrative for you to come here and avail of the local financing makes sense makes sense uh, so uh, i mean I, i just to now go deep into the program itself and your experience with the program and to talk specifically about ivy what has your experience been till now uh, what are the like top 3 pros and cons what that you like sort of like talk um, about so in terms of ivy the greatest part about the school is that they use this case study method for teaching so we never have just pure lectures they'll always give you a case and they'll analyze the case throughout the class and from what i understand few schools in the us have a complete emphasis on case study so there are some courses that emphasize case study but there are some courses that are lecture based as well so iv is completely case study focused they'll give you a couple of readings before the class 
that'll be an live and actual case or a business problem that somebody has solved or somebody has faced and then you learn the concepts while solving the problem so it's almost as if you're working but in the classroom so that's the greatest thing about the school to be honest i think only harvard and darden are are the other two um, other two law, uh, business schools that completely focus 100% on the case study method so that was definitely a big sell for me i attended the class where this happened and i i was able to see the difference in engagement levels when a student is given a case study versus when a student is given a textbook or a commentary to read before class so would you would you just want to demystify that a bit what's a case study a case study is uh, so suppose it's a it's a finance case study so they will tell you that this is the organization this is this is their debt structure equity structure this is their cost of capital how do and th- these are the real world challenges that they are facing so how would you then go ahead find uh, advise the company on their financing uh, on on raising the next round of financing you actually go and study real life cases like for instance in finance we studied uh, we studied companies like png we studied uh, we studied companies back from india as well we have a comp- we have a case study on tata so i'm just saying that you learn to live examples based on real life yeah and this is for every class there is no classroom where we have a lecture there is no classroom that says okay the professor is going to re- speak to you for an hour because it's constantly interactive and you're constantly solving the problem at hand and it's you would imagine that all schools do this but they do it for very select courses and at iv they do this for every single course whether it's economics whether it's finance whether it's analytics whether whether it's even accounting you would you would, like me coming from an accounting background in india where i studied under uh, accounting at in high school um i learned the textbook form of accounting where they would just give us a question and you'd prepare out the balance sheet and and the profit and loss statement but here they tend right. they they give you the whole uh, background about the company they try to fit in various facts about the company and you use all those facts to tweak and to understand what what the accounting statements and the financial statements look like so i think that form of learning was really important uh, for me for me to choose while, while while i was thinking of choosing schools secondly uh, i wanted to be into consulting and for financial services which is where my interest lies so when you are thinking of choosing schools think about the school that is really good at what you want to do so for instance about canada if you want to study finance you would go to a rotman maybe or you would go to a school that is known for that sort of that sort of profession uh, that is not right. to say not uh, classmates who are looking or rooting for investment banking or finance roles but it's just to say that maybe you do some research about what, where the strengths of the school are and you apply accordingly uh lastly i think generally when i came to canada and i did visit a few people i just got the sense that uh i we as a, as a, as a college as a, as a you know as as a business school the alumni were a lot more interested in getting you to understand what the program is getting you to know the school getting you to know what their values are and and trying to understand whether you resonate with their values so they really invest in you as a person and invest in you being you you being groomed as a leader for tomorrow and while all these seem like really really intangible things it's this okay. as you go through the program you see how they actually groom you and how do actually how there's so much de- development and transformation in you through, the, through what the school is doing so i think the alumni really brought that out and mentioned to uh, like they were able to communicate that to me and that's what stood right. out prompted me to like look at ideas so mind. one question over there is what are the subjects you study uh right now i'm start, i'm going through my core phase which is business basics that is accounting finance analytics macroeconomics macroeconomics um operations uh tech in tech in business 
So our our program is structured slightly di- uh, sl- slightly differently since it's a one year program. So the first first two terms are all the compulsory courses, and then uh, these compulsory courses end in, end in September, and then September to the next March we have electives running. So yeah, so I mean, uh, different schools have different core courses, different elective courses, depending on what is the strength of the program. Either the way, if you look into the program and see what those core courses are, if you're, for instance, like I mentioned, if you're somebody who wants to look at consulting, then I think Ivy is a great school for you. So you would want to like look at Ivy, and and you would notice that the courses are structured as better, that you're a better fit within a consulting firm as well eventually. Right, right. Uh, so I think uh, one thing I have read or I have been told is uh, because we could have come to the question of one year versus two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one thing I've been to- I'm being told repeatedly as I speak to more and more people is that I think a one year program requires you to have a lot of clarity as you go in, absolutely, because uh, there is a very limited amount of time for you to sort of navigate the entire system. Because there's not enough time for you to sit and think, "Acha, you know, let's do product also, or let's do like you know consulting also." Or- no, absolutely. absolutely. So if you're in a one-year program, that's most critical that you know where you want to head out to. Uh, in a two-year program, you get the internship break in between. You get some time to really know where you want to apply to, apply there, work there for a bit, speak to different people over a two-year period, and then decide where you want to go. But in a one-year program, you don't get the internship break. You don't get a lot of opportunities. You you'll have to learn everything. Your MBA program is basically compressed in a one-year time frame. So for me. My MBA program is as hectic as my time at Khetan or Deloitte, uh, and uh, right. this is without the social. Uh, this is without the networking aspect or the social aspect of it. So if it Correct. if I were also going and heading out every day for drinks with my friends after class, I would probably be in a worse off situation than when I was at Khetan. <laughs> so so <laughs> what does the day look like? If if you can speak on that, what does the day yeah, look so, like? Yeah, uh, so typical day is like you would read. Uh, you would have classes from nine to two or nine to one. Uh, this is at this period then from 2 to 5 in the evening you could have you could have certain extra sessions some big speakers coming in would have sessions with your career management team that you know you sit with them and you try to understand where you want to go how how do you market yourself how do you pitch yourself what are the industries what are the roles uh, or you could have various club meetings like if you want to join consulting then there could be consulting club meetings where they tell you how to prepare so your afternoon slot between 2 to 6 goes into that then your evening slot is when you actually have to read for the cases for the next day so you spend some right. time there and then after that you meet up with your learning teams to discuss those cases before you go to class the next day and the reason right. classroom discussion is so important is because uh, 40% of your grades are attributed to classroom discussion so um, right. at ivy that's a big component so we have to prepare cases we have to study them it, you cannot enter a class and not know what's going on unlike Back in undergrad, where they tell you read, but you <laughs> never go. So I mean, you can still Correct. do that. Then today, you're paying so much more for this degree uh, that right. you don't exactly. want to like derive as much benefit from it, and that comes uh, by reading, right. by by going through that process. Right. So to be honest, it leaves you with very little time to do anything else. Even your weekends go. Here, my weekends go in dual in in not only like my my work for school, but also my work for home. Where I have to clean, I have to cook, I have to do things. So there are ten things happening. It's a new environment. There's to to be honest, it's been a quick couple of months. 
out here for me. Wow, fantastic! Uh, and and what's the social life like? What is like in terms of you know? Uh, I I think we didn't discuss the cons. Uh, but are there any cons or like uh, what 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 are the difficulties that someone who is going to India or is a lawyer would sort of face when adjusting mm-hmm. to be school in general? Yeah, the biggest challenge is uh, we say that being a lawyer and having worked as a lawyer, you don't you don't your outlook to work is slightly different, and a business person's outlook to work is different. So for somebody coming to B school, it is a little more challenging in terms of the coursework for a lawyer to adapt than for a business person to adapt. so because you don't yeah. have basic but basic understanding of accounting finance and all these other courses in at the beginning it's slightly harder on you so they put in that extra effort and don't feel as if you're not good enough because you don't understand as quickly or grasp as quickly as your as your colleagues or other batchmates do because you just come from a different setting you have to appreciate that you come with a different type of skill so try not to get bogged down by that that is definitely a challenge the second challenge particularly with uh, international students in general is that you have very few understanding of the local market and that is a big, right. uh, that is very important in b school because all your cases are about local local companies local firms at best we learn, i mean we mostly learn about canadian and us companies in our in our everyday uh, in our everyday courses so for us to right. not have a bag we know what's going on in india but we don't know what's going on in canada and the us uh, on a on a very micro level and i think that level of Uh, there's there's a gap between what like local students know and what you know, and it takes you a lot longer to get immersed into that, into into the environment. So I think that's definitely one place where I would say you know try if you're looking to do school like looking to school abroad, read up on the economy, read up on the state of business, read up on the top companies what they are doing, read up on your area of interest so that you stay relevant and you stay updated. So yeah, these I think are the broad two challenges. The rest all you can figure. I mean, the rest all we've made, we've already like excelled at. So, quick couple of questions from the chat. Uh, yeah. Any insights on how employers in Canada are seeing Indian work, especially for India trained lawyers? So the way Canadian markets work is they look for Canadian experience. What does this Canadian experience mean? Either you worked in Canada before, or you studied in Canada before. so through an mba you fit the local the canadian experience because you've sort of gone through school here what's uh, it's actually toughest for those who have a pr and then decide okay i'm going to move to canada with my pr and then look for a job and even for them within a 6 to 8 month time frame they do get employed without any canadian experience so to be honest i feel like it's not like they look at you unfavorably but they see when you think about employing anybody you just want to know that they know how your economy works they know how your business works So if you come into Canada and you invest and you learn about you l- learn about what's going on here and you can demonstrate that interest, I think you're as good as any other person. So just to like you know sum that up, basically, I think the relevance is more on the side of law versus business. So yeah. basically, a couple of years of business-related work in India would not hurt, and if you can do it in Canada, nothing like that. Pranav yeah. Mehta asks one year versus two year MBA, and if we could just cover it very fast with this. One year versus two MBA, as as Shubhra already mentioned, if you have clarity on what your what what role you're seeking post MBA, then it's great to go for a one year program. It saves cost, saves saves time, gives you the opportunity to like like really like. Use your time more wisely, to be honest. And I think the other thing about the one-year program is, if you already have some background in business, like for me, I already moved to consulting. You don't need a two-year program. A two-year program is typically, I feel, for those um, who want an internship period in between or who want to explore what where they want to get into through the two-year program. But having said yeah. that, 
know, the, the issue with the one year program is it's too fast. Everything's just like there are 10 things happening on one day because they want to cover the course load for two years in a one year program. So you don't really yeah. get time to breathe. You don't. Sometimes I feel you don't get time to enjoy your course because uh, everything happening in class is so exciting. It's so much fun to read about what we are reading, but you don't get the time to really sit and reflect on what you are learning. So I feel like if you have the time and if the the opportunity cost is not too high for you, a two year program is also fine. Like just maybe it's okay to just take some time off of work and spend those. I think the expense bit also, right? A two year program is naturally yeah. multiplied Absolutely. by two and Absolutely. two years of unemployment. So yeah. that's Absolutely. as expensive. And right, uh, how much weight weightage do B schools give to which undergrad school you went to? I don't think they know any analysts uh, from the other. At yeah, least I mean, in Canada, do they? I mean, if you come from a good school, it helps. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, it, it doesn't matter. Your work experience mostly defines who you are, more than anything else. You could be from uh, not a tier one law school, but you could have great experience. You could have your own entrepreneurship experience. You could have your own, you could have something that's really different and distinct about you that a NLS grad doesn't have because every NLS grad probably like. Uh, I mean, not every, but most NLS grads might have the same, a uh, similar career trajectory. So basically, the idea is just how do you differentiate yourself amongst all the other lawyers who are applying? So just think of that. Uh, I think the post school experience is what is most defining, uh, as opposed to right. your and and think about things that you can control. Don't think think about things that you cannot control. So when, whenever you do focus, focus on if your school is not the greatest, focus on you as a person. If your school is 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 pretty good, then you can always pivot your story around how that school developed you. So it really depends on where you come from. So someone asked, does a commerce background help with the entrance? So uh, maybe I can pitch in as well uh, with the math, def- definitely. But <laughs> and given that you wouldn't have done math in six years, I don't know how much that helps. So definitely, yeah. I think you'll have to sort of revise because there's no commerce. It's not like they last you to make a PNL. So I, I don't see like any help coming from there. Uh, which undergrad school? I think we spoke about that. Uh, I think one question you should definitely take up is the one Akansha sent us, which was mm-hmm. as someone uh, like basically uh, what she wanted to know was adjusting to the business curriculum and the case interview experience. If you would want to take that up. Yeah. So uh, like I mentioned, right? Once you come to business school. they sort of teach you these courses and these subjects and themes that help you become better at solving cases and cracking cases uh, so to be honest at this point i wouldn't worry about that uh, the only thing you should ask yourself is are you able to think logically are you able to think critically are you able to structure your arguments and structure your communication that's all that's literally the thing you should ask yourself today and if you are okay with these three basic aspects you can go into the program learn from the different courses and then excel at these uh, at these preparations so to be honest don't worry about it too much right now don't spend time on it there's no point go like live your business school experience learn from the courses and you'll automatically develop or become better at case interviews there are a bunch of books bunch of material available online you can always refer to them if you think you want to know what it's about uh, but at this point you wouldn't i don't think you should worry about it something that you come to school learn and then you do you start to right i think uh, you know just to sort of you know add a couple of things over there i think uh, a lot of us sort of keep worrying about step 55 which is like oh my god will i be able to adjust to xyz yeah. uh, i think step 1 is much more important which is like how do i get a decent gmat so i mean maybe start over there and then go to step 2 is like how do i select schools can i yeah. sort of go visit the country and sort of see the school like a business school is a long process like 
you yeah, can't yeah. Today and then go tomorrow it's like you invest right, in right. you invest in you know understanding yourself uh, writing your applications knowing what profiles you're looking to do after after business school because you don't go to b school to go to b school you go to b school to make that your platform to explore what you want to do later correct or to be a stepping stone for your future networking or future skill development so always school is just that platform but not anything beyond that so i think uh, one more thing i want to point out and you know i i i obsess about this but just to point out the the importance of like the financial decision itself uh, in indian law school in 5 years you would have spent what was essentially 4 months of your salary uh, in usb school or in canadian display any form of school you would yeah. be spending and two years of pay in essentially one year so yeah. it takes some so uh, essentially you're signing up for something for the next 5 to 7 years and you will not be able to run away from that like most likely because you'll have to declare bankruptcy so, right? so because yeah so if you think about law school at least nls was expensive so even getting in it was like uh, almost 1 and a half lakh a year for the program and we only right. were able to decide whether we can earn uh, whether we can repay that or uh, i mean for all those who did take loans you were really at a position to repay that once you did get employed so it works similarly okay. for b schools like similarly your canadian b schools are a lot less a lot less expensive because your post like uh, your post graduation uh, income is is of that level so like i can not mention it's 110 or 120 canadian versus in the us it probably like um uh it's probably like 150 usd which is a lot higher so but but your what i'm trying to say is your income levels post graduation sort of give you the ability to repay it now the big question is will you get employed post graduation and will you have the visa that remains so those are the important considerations i think once you graduate from good schools you do get the opportunity to repay the loan amount it's just um it's just you have to do how horizon for repayment and whether you have the capability to stay in the country for that time horizon so maybe yeah, yeah. about from that perspective more than anything else if you don't have financial considerations then then i would always say apply for the best schools from the best sure yeah sure i think what we would sort of end on is uh, what is like you know the impact of covid and how how is that sort of coming out Uh, like spend two minutes in that impact of covid multifold uh, in terms of personal terms of the classroom experience it's you do i mean the school is doing its best to have great classes online move classes online and replicate the experience that we did see but um but it's not the same right as i mentioned you want to come to an mba program to know better about your class and to build great networks for the future right so that's definitely one thing that's missing secondly in terms of from a job market perspective uh you do see that very immediately uh the prospects are lower there are a lot of my uh, immediate batch who graduated who are still looking and hunting for roles a lot of them have seen a uh, delayed joining dates a lot of them have been told that you will join only next year a lot of internships during the summer have been cancelled a lot of uh, orientations are now moving online i mean new joinees are joining online and they don't have that same visibility and face time uh, with their managers and seniors because they've just never met so lots of challenges there and it's like it's we can only wait and watch as to how this unfolds and how it impacts the economy but to think about canada uh, there's definitely a, i mean there's definitely a slowdown for the next few years so that's definitely going to impact the job markets that's going to impact how many uh, companies come to the school or how many rooms do they offer the students so guys it's all cyclical it's all related and i don't i think 
uh, I don't think you can escape that. But having said that, I think by the time the next batch of people do come in, you would see some sort of spike uh, in terms of the economy on on being on the on on the positive track again, and then um, more companies coming in than you would see at this moment. So I I wouldn't worry if you are joining next year. I would be more worried if you are in in B school today. Or you're just graduating from school, but without a without a. Understood. I think uh, that sort of that that ends our discussion, and you know that that is all that was. Yeah. So for any more questions, feel free to write to me on LinkedIn, or feel free to write in, and I'll be happy to like chat back. If you guys are looking to apply to IV, especially, do feel free to write to me. I will connect you directly with my program officers. Who do look at candidates? They look at legal, lawyer candidates from India, and uh, this is a good time to apply if you're looking at schools next year. So do write to me. Uh, I'll be happy to put you guys in touch. And yeah, just uh, and just feel free to reach out to anybody from the network, from the lawyers, not lawyering lawyering network. We are a big group of really uh, of people who are really happy to help others and happy to uh, like connect you with the people that you do need to connect with to make a career transition. So yeah, feel free to reach out to anybody and. Thanks again for all joining in. If you enjoyed that podcast, please like, share and subscribe and help spread the word. Thank you and look forward to seeing you next week.